Storm Bowling Products, the Bowler's Company presents the Storm Collegiate Spotlight with Steve Klimkin and Tim Berg. Storm's Executive Director of Marketing and Above180.com's Tim Berg are going to introduce a variety of collegiate players, coaches, and key people involved in promoting the sport of bowling. Now, here's Coach K and Tim Berg. Joining us on the Storm Collegiate Spotlight Podcast is Brad Angelo. Brad is a lead instructor with Bowl U. You can find out more about them at bowlu.com. Brad is also on Storm staff, and he has two PBA titles. Brad is also the owner and proprietor of Brad Angelo Lanes in Lockport, New York. Brad, Tim Berg, and Coach K. Steve Klempkin here. Thanks for joining us today. I'm honored and flattered. I Thank you so much for having me. So, Brad, we thought it'd be great to bring you on. We can talk about Bowl U and then also talk about your USBC Open experience. So we're going to break this into two shows here. First one, we're going to focus mainly on Bowl U. And I guess let's get right down to it here. Bowl U, how do your coaching philosophies line up with Bowl U founder uh, Rick Benoit's philosophies? Well, I have to tell you, I, I, early on in the mid-2000s, um, I started teaching my own bowling camps. And... Uh, and then that was at a time when I was on um, a staff where I was able to work with Rick Benoit literally daily while we were out on tour. And I started realizing that a lot of my coaching philosophies were fundamentally flawed, and I didn't know it. And uh, uh, that was the early stages of what now has become Bold U. And what were... So what, like, yeah, what exactly do you think was, was flawed in your thinking there, what you were... You were coaching that you needed to change well I, I for one thing in when i would give out a a worksheet at my bowling camps um i had like a little note sheet and then over on the right side i had a picture of uh, a lane like we would see on ball talker cards or um, on pda websites just a regular rectangular looking lane and arrows on it and circles for the pins and, and that sort of stuff. And, and I remember one time sitting in a coffee shop with Rick Benoit and I was so proud at what I came up with. And I, I wrote this little handbook and uh, uh, I showed it to Rick and, and he asked me a couple of questions. He said, well, first of all, this lane isn't correct. Do you realize that? And I said, well, what do you mean? And, and he went on to share with me what was wrong. And I, I I had never even thought about it that way. Um, it, it was completely the incorrect dimensions of the lane. It, it's, it's, it's just fundamentally flawed. And then um, I, I used to teach, when we talked about ball motion, I used to teach that good ball motion. Um, I, I used to put like a batter's box on the lane. And, uh, and the batter's box went from uh, the fifth board to the 15th board wide from about 35 to 50 feet in length. And what I used to teach was, is you wanted the ball to enter that batter's box going away from the pocket, coming out of the batter's box going towards the pocket, and then within the batter's box, the shape that it made within that batter's box was very important. And I remember talking with Rick about that, and there again he said, well, this is pretty good, but let me ask you a question. Does this batter's box ever move? And I said, no. And then he closed the book, and he said, well, you have a lot to learn. And 
And those, again, those, I, I, that was in a coffee shop in Indianapolis um, after I had missed, uh, actually ap- after I had gotten swept four to nothing for probably the sixth or seventh time um, that season. And, uh, and we went on to have a, probably another hour long conversation about what he was getting at. And, and I was dumbfounded at, at, at some of those conversations and what I'd learned, um, about the theories that I was committed to, um, but were slightly incorrect. Uh, you know, a lot of those sorts of things. And Steve, you know, Rick Benoit, and I'm sure the conversations that you've had with Rick over the years, he gets you thinking. Yeah, yeah, he definitely he definitely does. And, uh, you know, you, you think about maybe his career, too, in bowling, just how many times he's uh, watched uh, better bowlers uh, bowl and compete and watched ball motion, you know, the thousands and thousands of shots, I think. Uh, and, you know, I mean, Rick's a tremendously, uh, you know, talented, sharp individual, a great bowler as well. Uh, but when you also get that chance to sit back on the concourse and talk and interact and watch, uh, that many balls go down the lane. You definitely pick up a lot of uh, maybe, maybe some different things from the back than what you would experience, you know, on the approach you as a bowler from what you're used to seeing. Exactly, I agree. Anyways, as we as we moved along um, and, and unfolded those next few years, uh, Rick had started a little website um, that he he would uh, he would critique the the practice session. He would talk about the pattern that we were bowling on that week. He would uh, discuss, you know, what styles he thought were going to excel, um, what we were keying on together as a group, the guys that he was working with. Um, and, and that became a pretty popular thing. And then when we got to match play, he would end up handicapping all of the matches, um, completely unbiased, uh, you know, not rele- relevant to any particular company or brand or anything and uh i I remember one one of the handicap uh discussions that he had had i was bowling robert smith and he was talking about how i was going to really struggle in that match because robert is able to play just left of me and um i was going to need a lot of help if i was going to have to beat him and and so he, he said you know i Sorry, Brad, but but my uh, my instincts tell me that you got your hands full, and lo and behold, Robert beat me in, in I think six games that that match. So, um, you know, a lot of really good times and a whole development process of learning over the years has led to what we all now know as OU. And I know one of the things is I've had Rick on a few of the podcasts as well and, and chatted in with him. I know one of the things he likes to incorporate is not always in you know on the lane activities. He wants to incorporate stuff outside that can be a little you know you get outside and it's a little more fun and not always your traditional you know eight hours in a you know four hours in a in a classroom type setting four hours on the lanes and practice and practice. Talk about how you see the campers react to that when you're doing that and how that really helps break up the day and, and break up kind of the, even the monotony of bowling. They absolutely love it. There hasn't been a place that I have went to that has hosted a Bowl U workshop that hasn't been completely blown away by by how cool it is. Um, Rick's philosophy is we need to be able to teach with as few words as possible. How can we get the, the students 
interacting together, um, heading towards a, a, a common direction, and then engaging them in, you know, that particular, the outdoor drills, that we, we work on that when we introduce the physical element of the BOLU methodology. Um, and the, the BOLU workshops, the main ones that we're trying to focus on right now, um, of which is just one uh, of multiple different types of workshops. And these initial workshops, they're called essential elements workshops to where we expose the, the students to the five unique elements that the sport has. And, and we break down each element and then we introduce them in a very strategic order so that they can learn more effectively. Um, the first element that we introduce is the pins. And we literally bring the pins from underneath the masking unit all the way back up on the concourse. And we give people a bowling ball and you get to try to knock them over from wherever you want to try to knock them over. And, and you'll be surprised at how few people can even get a strike. And they, th there's no rules. You don't have to stand anywhere. You don't have to do anything. It's just that, uh, uh, once we start introducing what has to happen, um, it, it's pretty exciting of how some light bulbs go on inside of their brain, as well as some of their theories get blown apart, uh, hopefully for good. And then we introduce the second element, which is the lane and everything associated with the lane. Um, I mean, literally everything associated with the lane. And then we introduce the third element, which is the athletic aura. The one common thread that Rick Benoit in BOLU talks about is the one common trait with all the great bowlers he's ever worked with is that they were all hard-headed. They were all very, very stubborn, which is a quality that he believes is consistent in all sports with all great athletes. They have to have the ability to commit to something even if at times they're wrong about what they're committed to. Um, but they have to have that ability to commit to whatever it is that they're, that they're believing. So once we get them to that element, now we've introduced three elements, and then we take people outside and we start them on the, uh, the fourth element, which is the physical game. And that's where they really start tying everything together and they have a blast. We're out in the middle of a field throwing bowling pins around and, and uh, uh, throwing bowling balls up a hill and um, doing some different drills. We have ropes out. We have all, all kinds of – we have target practice with bowling pins, um, teaching the physical aspects of the sport. And, you know, Steve, with as much coaching as you have done through the years, uh, how difficult is it? to be able to work with somebody's physical game when they're on the lanes and they just mm. don't understand what you're trying to teach them. It's so difficult. Yeah, yeah absolutely and, is. And uh, that's a cool idea to, to take them off the lane. So, Right. So we, we, we find that when we get them outside, they're not influenced by, um, well, the, the example that's, that's easy to use is, how many times do you have somebody that you're trying to work with on their physical game and they do the exact thing that, 
that you were wanting them to do, but the ball goes in the gutter or they leave a washout or something like that, their brain won't let them commit to that. But yet that same person will do the complete incorrect thing. And the next thing you know, they get a strike doing the wrong thing. And then they think, well, I just got a strike. So I want to repeat that. Not even realizing that it's just, it's, it's, it's flawed, you know? So anyways, we, we do that. And that usually takes two or three hours. We do that outside and man, everybody loves it. And then we go back inside. Um, we put a full scale lane on the concourse. We move all the tables away in the bowling center and we put literally a full scale lane on the concourse. And then we put 24 bowling balls on the lane and we start teaching the last and most important, well, not most important element, but, but the last element to tie the five elements together is the element of ball motion itself. And, uh, and once we introduce that, then we share with everybody that each element has a color attached to it in and of itself. So we have uh, red, yellow, blue, black, and white. We have the three primary colors plus black and white. And, um, and then we teach people how they can work together their own creativity to be able to create whatever color they want to create. Um, the, the moves and the choices that I would make don't necessarily have to be the same choices that a Walter A. Williams would make or that a um, Tommy Jones would make or that a Tim Mack would make. Um, you know, there's, there's so many, many different things that, that people can do, but they have to understand the direction that they're going for first. And, and then, then we start tying that together. And so that's just the essential elements workshop, which is, like I said, one of, I don't know, probably six or seven different types of workshops that we can do to help people learn and grow more about the sport. And, and if somebody's interested in, in attending one of these workshops that you have uh, uh, c- coming up, how do they find, find out, you know, dates, where, locations and dates and that stuff and sign up for one? They can, well, I've been trying to email any locations to, uh, to Storm. And um, Leanne Halsenberg has been putting them, I hope, up on the, the Storm calendar of upcoming events. Um, they can certainly reach out to me through Facebook send me a, a private message and, and ask to find out where there's one coming up near them. Um, and if there's nothing close enough for them, maybe they would even be interested in hosting one. Uh, go through and, and show them and help them put one together in, in their area. And then, you know, that's kind of what's been happening here. We have one coming up in Toledo, Ohio in a couple of weeks. Um, we have one in Bradford, Pennsylvania coming up the end of July. Uh, we have one coming up in Memphis, Tennessee in September. So we, and, and I'm still in the process of scheduling a, a handful more. We're looking at one out in the, in the Boston, Massachusetts area, one down in the Virginia, North Carolina area. So we're, we're, we're starting to get around. And Brad, on that note, let's uh, leave it there. We're going to come back and we're going to continue this conversation on the next podcast regarding the USBC Open Championships. We'll dig right into things right there and we'll talk more about you and your USBC Open Championships experience. You've been listening to the Storm Collegiate Spotlight Podcast with Tim Berg, Coach K, Steve Klemkin, and Brad Angelo.